Oh boy, I have an interesting show for you guys today. So joining me on today's episode is Jersey Joe. He's a friend of the podcast and he's appeared on this show multiple times before. However, today we are joined by an intriguing guest. So for any of you Devil's Twitter users out there, you might be very familiar with this person. It's the creator of the Brat Pack Twitter page. This is basically a fan page for Yes for Brat, and it already has a following of 2,000 plus users. Trust me, if you love him on Twitter, you're going to love him today. Let's get straight into it. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, Trey Matthews. And also, we have the host of Heads Up Hockey podcast, and it is Jersey Joe. And for the first time ever, we're going to be doing a three-way crossover with the Brat Pack. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate being here. So Joe is a friend, friend of the show because he's been on it multiple times and I've been on his show before. So Joe, it's great to have you back, my man. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a fun start to the off season and a lot to cover today in this wonderful podcast. Yep. Because like I said, we got the Brat Pack with us. And uh, basically the first question is, where did you come up with the name Brat Pack? And like, where did where did this all start? Because I saw that you created your account, like what summer 2021, something like that. Yeah, it really hasn't been all that long. Um, and it's funny because what I put in my bio is exactly what happened. So I noticed that my personal account had, uh, you know, been overrun with hockey accounts and, you know, I didn't, I started not seeing what my friend, my family and friends were posting anymore. And I noticed it was just all hockey. So I was like, well, let me make a separate account because I'm just retweeting hockey stuff. I'm just tweeting about hockey stuff. And my girlfriend, you know, she was like, hey, like my whole timeline is just you, your hockey stuff. Like, can we like chill out here? So I was like, yeah, sure. Let me make another account. Because I, I, you know, I had seen some of the other burners on Twitter, um, you know, like Pavel Zaka fan and, and Nico Hishier enjoyer or whatever. Um, you know, so I was like, all right, I'll just make one of those. Like, what, what player do I want to be attached to? And the answer was, you know, instantly clear because I've been a huge Jesper Bratt fan since his rookie year. I mean, I saw him come out of training camp and I bought a jersey in the first month of his rookie year and was like, yeah, this is the guy. I'm going to roll with this guy. Um, so it kind of just went from there. I came up with the name of the Brat Pack. Um, and, and actually, I shouldn't say I came up with it because I'm pretty sure dating back a few years, uh, people have been using that term before. So I probably heard it subconsciously somewhere. But I was like, you know what? Brat Pack sounds cool. Let me just make that account. Um, so I did it just to hide from my girlfriend on hockey Twitter, really. Well, that's really interesting. And you chose the right player because uh, Jesper Brat, or as I like to call him, because that's how you would say it uh, for, from where he's from, Sweden. You would say Brat. Jesper Brat. But um, for, for, for your sake, I'll say, I'll say Brat. So you picked Brat at the right possible time because he went on to just go on this huge tear during the course of the season. So like, what, what was, what was just seeing that like, because that definitely had to give you some buzz on Twitter. 
Yeah, yeah. It was really a perfect storm of a lot of things where, um, you know, if I was attached to any other player, the, you know, best player in the NHL movement may have not have caught on as much. The, you know, he's in a contract year. The contract stuff has been a lot to talk about. Um, and him just being a point of game player has given me so much content material that, you know, would not have come if I chose another player. And I think the other piece of that is I make like five to 10 memes or, you know, shit posts a day. And, you know, I'm just pumping that stuff out. So I like to think that people have just been enjoying it. Um, and another thing that, that, that really helped out was um, we've been doing Twitter spaces, which, um, you know, I know is kind of a rival to podcasting. So I apologize for bringing it up. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, we've been running these Twitter spaces and, and devils fans have seemed to really, really respond to them as, uh, you know, a new format for media. Um, and the last thing, which I, I do have to address because it is a common theme in the Twitter spaces is the pronunciation. Um, so I, you know, and I've told this story on the spaces before, but I was listening to a game on devils radio and cause you know, I listen to the games in my car sometimes and, uh, you know, they do the RWJ Barnabas ones and it comes on. He's like, hello, I'm Andreas Johnson and you're listening to RWJ Barnabas. And I was like, hold up. He calls himself Johnson. Like I have been saying Johnson for, you know, a year and a half now. Well, the thing is, the thing is um, he actually switched the pronunciation right. to Johnson right. during the course of the season. Like, I yeah. think he just told like the, like, I don't know who's in charge of like, you know, like PA announcing or things of that nature. He probably told uh, Devil's PA announcer, Joe Tolentino. He probably told the broadcasters like, hey, uh, instead of calling me Johnson, can you call me Johnson? I believe he did that during the course of the season. That's exactly what he did. And that's what um, other players have done, because you're right where they're from. It would be, you know, Jesper and Janssen and stuff. But the American hard J, when they come to the USA, they do sometimes some players choose to use the American pronunciation. Cause if you remember the devils had a player, Marcus Johansson, which also switched over to Johansson as time went on. Um, and Jesper Bratt is the same case where if we were in Europe, he probably would go by Jesper, but you know, since he was over here has requested that he use the American pronunciation of Jesper. Um, so that's just kind of what I've run with. All right. So I think uh, one of my, uh, I guess, summer resolutions is to actually stop calling players as you would call them back in their like uh, native land. So I think I'm going to just swap over from saying Jesper Brat to Jesper Brat because, you know, that's yeah. how they say it on TV. Uh, obviously, I'm so used to, to doing it, but I guess that's my summer resolution. So, Joe, I don't want to leave you out. Do you have anything <laughs> to say to the Brat Pack? <laughs> well, uh, one of the first things I noticed, like, it, it was similar to the Nathan Bastion account, the burner account. And yeah. then I, I saw like the brat pack. I was like, this sounds like I want to have a beer with Jesper and I want to have to boil some brats along with the side of that beer in that, in that multi-pack. So that's what it kind of sounded like. There was like a lot of play on words and I'm a fan of that. So I can't help, but enjoy the creativity of it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, a lot of people tell me, uh, they were, they relate me to the Nathan Bastion account because, um, Nathan Bastion, um, his actual Instagram has the same style of uh, profile picture that I do. And the reason for that is, um, the person who made it for, for Nathan Bastion posted on Twitter one day, 
and was just like, Hey, I really enjoy making these. Like, I'd love to make them for more players. And I responded to them. And the only reason I'm not using their name is because I honestly, it was, it was months ago before any of this kind of took off the ground. I don't really remember who it is. And I've said in the Twitter spaces, it, it, you know, if you're the one that made it, please step forward. I would love to credit you. I just, I don't remember who you are. Um, but anyway, they were making them. And I said, you know, Hey, cause I had a different profile picture at the time. I said, Hey, you know, if you want to make one for Jesper Bratt, I'll make it my profile picture. And uh, you know, they made it and I, and I put it there. So the same artist that did it for Nathan Bastion is, is the one that did mine too. Awesome. And um, what would you say was like the most memorable part of the season in terms of like tweets or uh, just devils in general? Like, what would you say was the most memorable thing um, throughout this entire process? You know, um, there's been a lot and especially, you know, um, you know, I made the account right before the season started. So, you know, I, I really, really didn't start receiving the attention that I have until about the last month or two of the season. And by then, I mean, we all know how the devil season went. It was pretty much over by then. So a lot of my jokes and a lot of the memes I make and the shit posts that I post were very deprecating and you know they were not very nice to the team um and i'd love to make memes about winning and whatever but my favorite my personal favorite for the year has to be the devil's lose brat point meme uh i don't know if you guys have seen it i've posted it probably 30 times now where every time the devils lose but jesper brat scores a point i post that meme of grant gustin uh doing the peace sign over the grave um and you know the gravestone says devils lose but him doing the piece oh, over it. yeah it's, it's brat point um and, and that kind of <laughs> took off I, I do love posting those even though i hate posting those i mean i always say there's three guarantees in life death taxes and jesper brat uh getting at least a point per game kind of thing yep. i think you've actually liked a few of my tweets that i've uh, in which i've done that i would have to look back on it oh i think i have too yeah, I think you also like some of my tweets and retweets before. So I know I get a lot of people. I have a, I, not to brag, but I have a thousand followers on Twitter. So, Let's go, dude. Congrats. I got to do some catching. Thank, but awesome. you got twice as much leverage than I have for all those years. So I give you credit on <laughs> what you've been doing. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. Like I said, it's, it's really all come in the past like month or two. It's, it's been a, an absolute whirlwind. Um, and, and, you know, my, my one buddy who's a content creator has told me to keep an eye on the analytics. So I, uh, I keep checking the Twitter analytics page and I, you know, I watch the impressions and stuff and, you know, the amount that I have in the past month versus the last like six months prior to that is like over 10 times the amount. It's crazy. Wow. That's a, that's a really cool story. So, um, something that Jersey Joe and I have been talking about throughout the past few weeks is off season. So, We've been talking like Lindy Ruff. We've been talking Tom Fitzgerald. And what's a certain scenario that you brought up, Jersey Joe, recently? I was bringing up the fact that, you know, Lindy Ruff is in the last year of his head coaching uh, stint in New Jersey. And it wasn't just me that brought it up, but also they brought it up on the Let's Go Doubles podcast recently. And Sam Wu mentioned it. What was it? Development coach. And I said, what about development coach or something? What's up, guys? Before we continue today's discussion with Jersey Joe and also the Brad Pack, I'm here to give you guys the first and second library this morning. 
And the first one comes from our friends at Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, aptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. So why do I take AG1? Well, I'm a very energetic person. However, sometimes I have trouble sleeping at night and my body's a temple, so I gotta start treating it as such. So that's one of the reasons why I like AG1 and I love that it supports the Locked On Podcast Network. So its lifestyle is very friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good, supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. It's one thing uh, that's best about Athletic Greens. It uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. So right now it's time for you to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now, the second live read comes from our friends at betonline.net. So betonline.net is your number one source for all your sport betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB season, and this weekend's run to the roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your sports betting information as well. Okay, back to this discussion with the Brat Pack alongside with my buddy Jersey Joe. Take it away. Yeah, so basically taking like a front office type of role and just like stepping away from being the head coach, which would uh, vacate, uh, excuse me, I can't talk right now. Uh, that would vacate <laughs> the the head coaching position for the Devils. And basically, you know, Lindy Ruff is still associated with the organization. However, just in a different role, he's not behind the bench. And uh, because Tom Fitzgerald has given like some clues in his uh, exit meeting interviews that uh, Lindy Ruff has been helping him throughout the process of finding some new assistant coaches. But I want to go back to a tweet that you said, which was um, that Recky and Nazardine will be out as assistant coaches for the Devils and Lindy Ruff will move over to the front office. And right now, half of your prediction is correct. The other half, uh, there's still some time because it seems like Lindy Ruff will be the head coach come next year for the Devils. But Overall, like, what do you, we want to know what your thought process is like, like what, what, what are your opinions in a more in-depth kind of scenario? Yeah. Um, so I did receive that information uh, from a non-devil source. And one of the things that has been a, a really, really cool thing about the, you know, account gaining some attention is that some devil sources have reached out to me, you know, over the past month or two. Um, and I have built some, you know, relationships, uh, connections that I've, I've really appreciated. So um, someone reached out to me with that information 
said, you know, I have no idea if it's true or not. Um, you know, here it is, you know, see what you can do with it. Um, mm. And I reached out to my, you know, devil sources with that information. Um, and what I'll say is it is a very fluid situation to my understanding. And, 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 you know, it can change by the minute, can change by the second. So anything I say here may not be true in the next hour. And I totally understand that, um, you know, so take it with a grain of salt for sure. Um, but from what I was told, um, the exit interviews hold a lot of weight that it may have been, you know, more of a done deal a week ago that may have been changed a little bit by the exit interviews and and the strong words especially that jack hughes said um you know i i am I'm caught in a weird place because i don't want to you know sell out anyone um that i have made these relationships with um with any definites because you know they, they they can be wrong at any moment or change a lot um but i will say this the situation with lindy ruff as it stands to my understanding is that it is fluid. There are interviews where they say, oh, we're constantly evaluating. Everyone's under evaluation because they've been saying a lot of the exit interviews said that word evaluation. They're not lying. They're not. That is not a code word. That is not them holding over until they make a real announcement or something. They truly are. They are evaluating. They are, it, you know, it's changing every day. They are taking this time to really figure out what the plan is here. Um, so yes, the first part did happen. Nas and, and Recky were, I think they were always just going to be gone. Um, but to my understanding, the situation with Ruff is changing every day. And, you know, what, what's true today might not be true tomorrow. So for the second half of my tweet, you, you know, you may think I was just lying if it doesn't come true, but things are changing every day here. I would have to agree with that because I, I've been talking about it in my show recently. I said, here's what Tom Fitzgerald and the front office are, are going to do. Here's what the process is going to be. Like I said, they're going to talk to the young core. They're going to talk to some of the leaders, some of which include Miles Wood. And they're going to just try to pick the brains of each of those players and just say, do you have faith in Lindy Ruff moving forward? Because I say it isn't Lindy Ruff's job security that people should be worried about. It's his age and just, is he the long-term solution? And that word you talked about was evaluations. I said, look, when, when they're doing evaluations, everyone's under evaluation. Like, you know, general manager, players, it's what I do on my show. Basically, you sit down, you assess every avenue and you just see like which one works best. So like when they say that they're evaluating um, all the players, I would say maybe a player like Pavel Zaka is under heavy evaluation just because, you know, maybe it's time to move on from him. Or, you know, just because someone is under evaluation, it does not mean that they're under a microscope. It doesn't mean like they're on the hot seat. It doesn't mean they're on borrowed time. It just means like, you know, they got to assess the situation in a smart manner. And then they just got to explore every avenue. Wouldn't you agree with that, Joe? Yes. I mean, first off, hockey operations one-on-one. You got to think about the near term and then you got to set up the longer term. Now, what I think what Lindy Ruff and... Fitzgerald are doing together is they're probably looking at the candidates that are available now and the guys that could be let go after round one, two, and three. So if Toronto goes on to have, you know, losing games to like they, they, they lost game two. So three, four, and five, 
They could be OUT and Sheldon Keith could be a candidate uh, for the New Jersey Devils. So, or you could have Bruce Boudreau, but are you sure that you want to go with another guy? Uh, similar to what they had in um, Washington, even though they didn't go past the first round that often. But at the same time, it would be an upgrade over Lindy Ruff. But don't you want a younger guy like Ricard Gronberg, who's been a candidate for a couple of years? I think he's another person that you should look at. Uh, something I've also talked about, maybe recycling old coaches like Peter DeBoer, or maybe looking at our pipeline in Kevin Deneen. That's also something I talked about, but I was always on the side of, I'd say Lindy Ruff is safe. I didn't think it was a Lindy Ruff issue. I just think it was a circumstance issue because Devils had to deal with a lot of injuries, COVID. We missed Jack Hughes for 33 games, or um, we missed Dougie Hamilton for nearly two months. Mackenzie Blackwood and Jonathan Bernier our 1A and our 1B goalies out for most of the year. So we basically had to go with a bunch of backup goalies to try to keep us afloat. And that didn't pan out too well. And uh, our, our power play execution was poor. And we gave up so many shorthanded goals that it was, it was insane. Like every time the Devils were on the power play, it didn't guarantee them to be the most dominant team within the next two or so minutes or, or something like that. And, you know, I just said, you can't really blame Lindy Ruff. You more have got to blame uh, Mark Recchi. And I said, your hate for Lindy Ruff, you need to have that same energy towards Mark Recchi just because Mark Recchi is in charge of special teams. So, you know, look at it from that sort of perspective or just look at the fact like, you know, late in the year when we like lost silly to the Carolina Hurricanes or when we lost to the Detroit Red Wings, I said, what else did you expect? Lindy Ruff can't really do anything. He has to roll with what he has. And here's what he has. Oh, I'll tell you what he doesn't have. He doesn't have Jack Hughes. He didn't have PK Subban or Nico Heischer for one of those games against the Detroit Red Wings and also the Carolina Hurricanes. He didn't have Tomas Tatar. He didn't have Jonathan Bernier. He didn't have Jonas Siegenthaler. He didn't have Miles Wood. I know I'm missing a few others, but you know, the list goes on, which is he's missing a lot of key players. So what did you expect? I didn't expect it for us to win at all. And I'd like to think of myself as one of the more optimistic Devils personalities out there. So I don't, I, we, we, we stood no chance. So, you know, I, I never thought it was a Lindy Ruff issue. I just thought it was a circumstance kind of issue. And next year you use this as sort of like a tryout year for Lindy Ruff, because now the excuses are waning. You can't use COVID. If the team is back, you can't really blame it on injuries. And, you know, you can't really blame it on your coaching staff either. Now you are under the microscope and you better perform kind of thing. So um, I just want to get your thoughts in regards to the Devils this season in general. Do you agree with what me and Joe are saying for the most part? Do you want to add on to that? No, I, I think it's pretty accurate. And, and um, one thing I think is like, it's almost like a shame that the goalie situation happened because this really was a year to evaluate, hey, we have the roster and we're getting close to the roster that we, we have uh, or that we want. You know, let's see if Ruff can win with it. Um, and you know, obviously the goalie stuff happened and I think that's the biggest deal out of anything here. Um, and then that kind of like forced the hand of the devils to be like, well, we have to give him next year to see really what we have here because last season was so wasted. So it almost feels like a waste of time now. Um, even though, you know, it, it really is probably what he deserves. The, um, one thing I came back to all the time is, 
evaluating coaches on coaching decisions versus reacting to losing where everything you just said is so correct to people who react to losing every anytime a team finishes in last or loses a lot of games the scapegoat is always fire the head coach they're responsible for winning that always that's you know list item number one what i tried to look at was coaching decisions things like you know what lines is he rolling on the ice how often is he changing them who's getting ice time what is he saying in the interviews? Is he challenging when he needs to challenge? Is he calling timeouts where he needs to call timeouts? That in-game stuff, and that's not, obviously that's not considering all the practice time he puts in. Obviously, there's so much behind closed doors and practices that we don't see, and that's when we talk about developing the young guys. But in-game and post-game, coaching decisions, quotes, everything, I really wasn't happy with him this year. Uh, a lot of the things like, you know, when I thought there was a goalie interference that happened that he didn't challenge, I was just like, come on, like, this is your job. Or when I thought we could use a timeout, come on, this is your job. Or when we do lose those games and he comes out and blames Jesper Bratt for missing a, a chance in the first period. And he's just like, oh yeah, maybe if we had that chance, we would have won. And it's like, dude, you know, you're losing me here. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we all know I'm sensitive to Jesper Bratt issues, but right. um that's really what I tried to look at. I tried not to react to losing. I tried to look at coaching decisions. And even at that, I was still shaky on him. So for me personally, he's going to be on a pretty short leash next year. Yeah, well, Jersey Joe mentioned that. I, I was saying to Trey, like, I'm not against rough, but like, you still have to take the upcoming season as make it or break it. Now, here's what I'm thinking. You already have Shakir Muhammadulin with that visa coming to the U.S. He's going to Utica right away. So you better have that batch of defensemen, those big Yeti-like defensemen. I, I'm going to have a tight leash on, on Ty Smith for my expectations. I expect him to step up because you can't get sasquashed all the time in the NHL being – not as physical in that frame. He should be more physically built. I understand he's an offensive defenseman, but still, you have to defend. That's why I think Muhammad Doolin could possibly win a spot. It's also why I believe uh, Luke Hughes should sign his uh, entry-level deal and not return to the University of Michigan, quite honestly. Controversial take, maybe, but I think he's ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree on that one. I, I don't think it's worth uh, throwing him to the wolves quite yet. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't throw him into the wolves. You would just say, go to Utica and develop. We don't have to bring him up to the NHL, you know, just. I, I think, um, so So there's a couple things. I actually did one Twitter space uh, with Russ Rankin a couple weeks ago, who is a scout out in the WHL. And his take was actually really interesting on it, where, he said that the Devils should have Luke Hughes sign a juniors deal um, or not sign a deal. I don't know how that works, but go, go play in juniors because it's the best of both worlds where Utica is a higher level of play. He'll get a little more lost in the mix, but he'll get more professional attention. He'll get more games, that kind of stuff. Whereas going back to Michigan, he'll get less games. You know, he'll have less professional coaching. Um, but he'll be the man. He'll be the number one guy, can dominate, can get that confidence up and whatever. And the alternative that he offered is, you know, Luke wouldn't want to do this. You know, there, there's 
then that's the big barrier. You, you probably won't get Luke to agree to it. But for the devil's sake, put Luke in juniors, which he's eligible for. He gets more games, more experience, but he still gets to be the guy, still gets to dominate and still gets to, you know, be on the top of the league. So you kind of get the best of both worlds there. Um, obviously, I really don't think Luke would agree with it, but, you know, the alternative there is I think he should go back to Michigan. Let him let him dominate. Let him come up when he's like actually ready. Thing is, he's going to be missing Owen Power, Matt Beneers, Kent Johnson. It's really going to be his team at this point. I mean, Michigan, Michigan has a lot in the pipeline, even without those guys. But like this past year's draft class was dominated yeah. by Wolverines. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. Owen Power selected number one. Then uh, what? Ken Johnson was selected number three, I believe. And then I think Beneers was right in the top five. No, no, Beneer, you're, you're right. Beneers was selected uh, second Shut by up. the uh, by, by the Seattle Kraken. Kraken. Seattle. And then uh, Ken Johnson was selected by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And mm-hmm. then Luke Hughes was able to fall to us because there was a time where Luke Hughes was projected to go number one. And you could have drafted Luke Hughes at number one right. a few months before the draft and not be considered crazy. But then that foot injury was, which was a blessing in disguise, kind of dropped him back down to us. So, you know, l- luckily we, we fell into a pretty good spot to uh, snag up Jack Hughes's little brother. So, um, oh, yeah. Ultimately, I feel like the, I think you two can agree with me in this regards. The future is bright for the Devils. And I got to ask you this. Uh, I know you're the Brat Pack, but in your unbiased opinion, in your unbiased opinion, who was the MVP of the team? Was it Jack Hughes or Jesper Brat? Because I say in my show, Jack Hughes. What, what would you say? This is probably, the, I know what the answer is probably going to be, but I'm just curious. <laughs> I'll say this. Uh if Jack Hughes played 70 games, I would say Jack Hughes. I think when he was on the team, when he was in the game, uh, you know, he was the best player on the ice. I really don't think anyone would disagree with that, even even me. Um, but, I mean, the simple fact is you got to be on the ice to do that. Um, and I love Jack, and, and I think he's an absolute superstar, but he played 49 games. And you, you just can't be the MVP playing 49 games. So I would give it to Jesper this year specifically um, also for the reason that, and I know Jack also has this effect. So not to take this away from him, but look at Jesper and look at how everyone played on his line versus off his line. Look at Mercer, look at Johnson, look at, I mean, he's I mean, he's towards the end of the season, picked it up on his own anyway. So, you know, what about take, Sharon Govich? Look at Sharon Govich. Sharon Govich. Um, I felt like Sharon Govich and Mercer were more of Jack Hughes, quite honestly, than, Oh no, Mercer, Mercer, Brad Johnson in the first two months was where Mercer got most of his points and where Johnson got most of his points. If you look at who Brat plays with, they play their best hockey on that line with him. And I think that's why he gets MVP, not because he scored a point a game, but he, he did that for everyone else, in my opinion. And, and a lot of the analytics yeah. do show um, with and without Jesper Brat, the numbers are just so different. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with you in, in that regards. Just I, I just say it's Jack Hughes just be just because like, you know, when Jack Hughes rejoined our team, like in like what, like early January after recovering from a shoulder injury that he suffered in game two, that he caught lightning in a bottle and the Devils just went on this offensive tear. Like arguably they were one of the better offensive teams in the NHL. Their downfall was obviously goaltending, but because, you know, they they scored a lot of goals, but they gave up a lot of goals. So it kind of exonerate, 
excuse me, kind of exonerated each other. So um, I just say, yes, you're right. Jack Hughes only appeared in 49 games, but at the same time, he made the most out of his appearances and, you know, he got injured a couple of times, so he can't really control that. But ultimately it's just like, um, you know, I felt like Jack, I felt like Jack Hughes really was uh, the driving force. And he was the one who kind of kept the devils like, you know, onto that next level. Well, before we wrap up, what, what would you say, Jersey Joe? Uh, what I would say, my MVP would easily be Jack Hughes. I mean, if it weren't for a couple of freak accidents, um, he would have been a healthy man. And his points per game would have really gotten him like at least near heart considerations in my books. I mean, if you look at the points per game on average, he had easily the devil's best MVP. But Jesper Bratt has been wonderful, and he, he is the most slept-on person in the NHL. He should have been an all-star. I don't know why people didn't vote him in. Yeah, that's he, crazy. He, he should have been an all-star, and he should have been down there with his dynamic duo partner of Jack Hughes. So, that, but, you know, what do I know? I will say I this. I will, I will say this. People will realize in the fantasy drafts, I, I may be biased because – I'm, I know the doubles pretty well, but when I draft, I have to have Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt on my fantasy team. I know this for a fact because I know they could pop at any moment and they got the talent and the skill to do it. And there's no doubt. And they help out my roster when they're healthy. You hear that locked on fantasy hockey? You, you, you heard Jersey Joe? Just, just, just so we're clear. Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes to your fantasy team next season. Jesper you Bratt. have to have them. They were, Jesper Bratt was ranked 115 in the league this year for fantasy hockey. There you go. So you, you basically got this huge crossover. We got we had the Bratt Pack. We got Jersey Joe. I'm Trey Matthews, host of Locked On Devils. Guys, before we close out, any final thoughts? Go for it. I, I will go on this. Look forward to the New Jersey Devils and their special teams to be more interesting with Ball Ahajuk and even Muhammadulin coming in. The Russian Yeti from the Earls is coming in from Salavat. So be ready for the New Jersey Yeti defense. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I, <laughs> they're going to be scary. They're going to be scary for sure. Um the only thing I'll say is I'm, I'm already excited for next season. Watching playoff hockey, it just, like, it makes me miss it. It makes me miss the atmosphere. It makes me miss the pregame. It makes me miss just, you know, a full full arena. Um, and I think, I think we're close to it. I genuinely do. So I'm very excited. I'm going to see the core progress. Uh, and my, my last and final remark will be Jasper Bratt is the best player in the NHL. Okay, but I'm not going to argue that. But I say Devils' dark horse playoff team come next year. Dark horse. Like, they can compete for a playoff spot if all goes well. No injuries or little to no injuries because injuries are going to happen. Obviously, COVID restrictions have lessened. So I'm just like, they can definitely, definitely, if they get decent goaltending, they could be a dark horse playoff team. And by the way, I know we can't really elaborate on this because we're running out of time. But um, they are open to trading their first round draft pick in this year's NHL draft 
according to the score. So that can make things a whole lot more interesting towards the organization. So once again, thank you, Brad Pack, for coming on and discussing Devils Hockey. My friend, Jersey Joe, always great to have you. I'm sure we'll see you again. And this is Trey Matthews, host of Locked On Devils. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen.